Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. Alongside Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. we got another listener mailbag, crowdsourced uh, podcast coming your way. It should be fun. This is peak off-season to do a podcast. It's like, well, there's absolutely nothing going on football-wise. Like last week, there was some news and like... Coming up, that'd be the ACC meetings. Maybe some stuff comes out of that. It was just a wasteland this week. I mean, there's nothing going on. Yeah, there isn't. And but sometimes the my favorite shows that I listen to, podcast wise, uh, when when things aren't that important, uh, it's, it's, I enjoy listening to them more. Hopefully, we can make it an experience that. Some people might feel that way about this podcast. We're going to wrap it up at the end with a fast food outlet draft. So that's only sports writers can do. <laughs> that's right. We're going to draft fast food franchise or fast food uh, uh, restaurants. Yeah, that's more related to sports than than probably it should be. Really. Uh, first off, Andy, I want to say you know as much as I've complained about people not taking note of my great tweets, Pat Narduzzi this week. He, You're famous. You, you were Twitter famous on there. Well, I didn't know about this until the Pittsburgh reporter who wrote the story for for their paper uh, emailed me and or, or tweeted at me and said, "Did you did you do this one?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll own it." But uh, it was the tweet about how uh, they were reading mean tweets at some I don't know some coaches a Chick Fil A golf outing or yeah. something like that. They were doing the Jimmy Fallon mean tweet reading thing, and he read the one where I said, Is it "Jimmy Fallon or is it Jimmy Kimmel." Kimmel, sorry, Kimmel. Yeah, they're all called Jimmy. They run together. Yeah, Jimmy John. But that uh, he, the, the tweet was about Pat Narduzzi, and it said uh, Pat Narduzzi always looks like he's just been informed that his flight's been delayed, and he should stay tuned for further details. You know, because he always kind of looks like he's powerless and also angry and frustrated and doesn't know what to do. Uh, but usually because he's complained about offensive pass interference calls right. by Virginia Tech, or at least what we've witnessed of him over the years. So he wants to punch somebody, but. He, he, you know, he's he's unable to do that. Uh, but Bernarduzzi reads the tweet, and then he says, I don't get it. See, that's the worst kind of reaction to the mean tweets, because you obviously get it. Like, come on. You have, you have to kind of understand where the tweet is coming from when you read that, don't you? I hate it when these football coaches react like, oh, I don't know what you're making fun of. I don't know. It's like, look at a picture of yourself. Look at a picture of yourself after a bad call. You'll get it. You'll get it at that point. I found one online that, that – perfectly illustrated what I was talking about, a picture that looked like that, but I didn't tweet it out because I was like, I'm just going to let Sleeping Dogs lie. You should, you should tweet at him and be like, oh, this is what I'm <laughs> referring to. Well, I was happy to be included. That was a lot of fun. Uh, look, we're going to start, before we get to the listener questions, with some meaningless rankings because that is what the offseason is all about. That's the offseason. I'm kind of upset that there were two of them that came out yesterday or that were started yesterday. It's like, guys, guys, let's spread these out. We've got like 100 days to kill here before the start of the season. Let's let's spread these out. Let's all decide when we're going to put them out. Then we can write blog posts commenting about them. Then the next set of rankings come out. I mean, come on. You're, you're – Losing all your best information in the first week of the offseason. Yes, there needs to be some sort of seminar where, where all bloggers get together and say, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna You're the ration this out over the offseason." Well, as it is, we've got two to talk about. The first one was from uh, let me see what was it CBSSports.com. They ranked the top coaches in the country. Where does Fuente check in on their list? Well, they did the top 65 Power 5 coaches. Okay. Uh, yesterday, they did 65 to 26. Today, they're going to do the top 25. It has not come out yet. Uh, process of elimination. I have the list of coaches that will be uh, in the top 25. 
Justin Fuente did not make it into the top 25. He was number 26, uh, which was an improvement of eight spots from last year. And this isn't just one person's ranking. They actually take a poll of several college football writers, and they have them rank them and then you know, put them together. Uh, and that's what it comes out. Uh, he's 26th, right ahead of Brian Kelly, Notre Dame 27th, Tom Herman, Texas 28th, uh, Bobby Petrino, Louisville 29th, Matt Campbell, Iowa State 30th. Uh, so that's pretty good company to be in. I mean, Brian Kelly's a really good coach. Tom Herman, you know, was uh, the hot coaching hire by Texas when that happened. I think that was the same year as Fuente uh, when they both were, were hired by Power 5 schools. Uh, that's a decent spot to be. I mean, 19-8 and eight in two years has not won a conference title, obviously, won a division title, uh, worked wonders at Memphis. Uh, the way that they rank these, I, I think it's sort of on career achievements and sort of what their outlook is in the future you know, what, what they've done so far and maybe the direction things are going. So I think for so young in Fuente's career, that's probably a, a decent spot for him. Again, these rankings are meaningless. I mean, it, that goes without saying with all this stuff that we're talking about. These these are, don't have any bearing on anything uh, except to just kind of spur on some off-season debate. So the three ACC coaches that you know, we haven't seen yet, so we are assuming they're ahead, are who? Three ahead of him. Dabo, I mean, that's undeniable. Right. A national championship coach. Uh, Mark Richt at Miami, which I think is, is also justified based yeah. on his career accomplishments. I mean, he, goodness, he was a 75% winner at Georgia. Yeah, yeah, he didn't win a national championship, but he had teams in the top 10 all the time. He has Miami humming right now. Uh, certainly was a better team than Virginia Tech last year. And the other one, David Cutcliffe from Duke, yeah. which is an interesting one. I mean, he's, he's obviously universally respected within the coaching profession. Uh, he does more with less at Duke that you could possibly imagine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably warranted putting him up. I mean, whenever anybody talks about, oh, the just like best pure coaches in the ACC, David Cutcliffe is always way up there. I think we learn a lot about Fuente this year, don't we? Because, I mean, I think the first year we learned a ton because we didn't know him. Um, this past year, it was sort of a rebuilding year. Uh, you know, we've had the discussion before, which year did he do a better job? And you and I both thought he did a better job in his first year than his second. But that's that's been debated by people. Some people get really mad when you say that. But uh, I think year three, you know, you're starting to see some of his players uh, take over more prominent roles. Um, you know, the recruiting, you know, you've got a recruiting foothold now. Um, so you're going after your guys. And so the rankings of the recruiting uh, class this year will be important as well. Um, what do you think? Is that, is that fair? You know, people don't give year three the kind of respect that it should have. This sounds like a column that you should write coming up here, on, preferably on a ride to Already East Carolina. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, you're getting some of your guys into the program now. Not only that, but they're achieving, you know, they're getting older in the program. So uh, they're kind of stepping into larger roles. So, yeah, I think that's – I mean, you see some of these guys just kind of bust out of the gate and you go, oh, what a great job. So, well, a lot of that was done with the coaches or the, the players from the previous coaches' uh, time there. So, uh, you know, that's sort of the, the telling mark of a coach is whether he can then get his own guys in there and continue to do what he does. I think sort of the, the classic example of not being able to continue that momentum was Gene Chiswick at Auburn when I covered him there. And obviously bringing in Cam Newton in that second year was such a, a major – uh, thing and, and why they won the national championship. But there was a, a very deep senior class of guys that Tommy Tuberville had recruited that were extremely productive uh, and, and helped them 
uh, you know, get to that point to win some of those games. They, they obviously wouldn't have won the national title without Cam Newton, but Cam Newton alone wouldn't have elevated them from wherever they were. Uh, you know, he, he just wouldn't have been able to, been able to do it alone. So I, I think it's interesting uh, to see what a coach does it, sort of in this stage because it's like, all right, sort of the honeymoon's over. You don't have those players from the old staff to rely on, and in Fuente's case, it's not like they were building up from the, the bottom up. I mean, there were some players that were here already. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be interesting, uh, certainly, to see how they do this year. Okay, and the other poll. Well, but here's the other coaches that were in the top okay. 25 that we had. The Big Ten had eight. Uh, it had Kirk Ferentz, interesting one at Iowa. I don't know if I put him up there. Pat Fitzgerald, a, a, a guy that does more at the last at Northwestern. James Franklin, Mark D'Antonio, Paul Christ, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, Scott Frost at Nebraska. Already have him in the top 25 just based on what he did at UCF. And I guess you go undefeated at UCF. After going uh, winless like two years Yeah, earlier, I mean, that's right? a pretty incredible turnaround. Uh, yeah, I, I think I could be behind that. The one I kind of question maybe there is Kirk Ferentz. It's like, what, what have you done lately? Like, I know he's been a very good career coach. Uh, another one, yeah, I'll just go through the other uh, coaches that are on there. Pac-12, uh, David Shaw, uh, Chip Kelly, Chris Peterson, Kyle Whittingham, Mike Leach from the Pac-12, Big 12, Lincoln Riley, uh, Mike Gundy, Gary Patterson, Bill Snyder is another one of those sort of legacy ones. It's like, well, has he been that great lately? Uh, SEC, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Gus Malzahn, Jimbo Fisher, and Dan Mullen. Well, I guess if they're polling people, you know, some of the respect factor is going to come in. Because, you know, if, well, well, Frank was always up there on those things, even at the end. Right. It was obvious he wasn't hitting it, it on all cylinders. I guess the better question is, you know, how many of those 25 would, would tech fans you know, trade for right now? You know, given the future and all that. I mean, I don't know. Last time I debated that on the uh, the mailbag, somebody wrote me an email says, "You want an apology to Justin Fuente and his family for even suggesting a trade? No. We're happy with the coach." You owe nobody anything. You certainly don't owe them an apology for that question. The interesting thing I thought with that is the SEC is far and away the the best conference or has been in the last decade, and nobody really denies that. And it's only got five of the the top twenty five coaches according to this. I mean, the Big Ten has more than the SEC does, and yet the SEC does better in terms of winning national titles at the end of the year all the time. I mean, obviously, you have Saban. That's going to be the way, but he's sort of like leveled the SEC to the point where, you know, uh, you know, Kirby Smart is one of his former coaches. Jimbo Fisher is actually one of his former coaches. Uh, you know, Gus Malzahn has beat him a couple times. I mean, to be able to, to sort of be in that conversation, you either have to be uh, sort of a, a Saban protege or somebody who's been able to go head-to-head with him, and there's not a lot of guys that have done that. Right. Okay, well, the second poll or the second group of rankings uh, came from Athlon, and this one created a bit of a, a buzz among tech fans because it's the quarterback rankings. Where is Josh Jackson in all of this? 19th nationally, which is second in the ACC on this list. Behind? Uh, Ryan Finley of NC State, number one. Okay. What was the reaction when you tweeted that one out? Uh, what you would think. <laughs> I, I replied with, here come the pretzels. Here right. come the pretzels, because I figured, just based on our discussions over the recent weeks, uh, and then quickly I replied, I'm like, well, who would be Hall of Famer Whitey for this? And you're like, Frank. Like, <laughs> duh, it'd be, it'd be Frank. Like, who else would it be then? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's quite right. Uh, yeah, I, I think anything with Jackson at this point is going to be just you're 
you know, setting gasoline on a fire because people, like like we said last week, a certain segment of the fan base is very vocal about this. They're like, oh, he'll never improve. He'll never lead us to anything. It's like, I don't think that's true. Like to, to say that as a redshirt sophomore, he'll never improve from there. He somehow hit his ceiling. I think is just absurd to say that. I think this does kind of show that maybe the national reputation out there is better than the local reputation of Jackson. And, you know, I've kind of... I've kind of tried to be more on the national side of things in this and then be like, listen, he had a very good redshirt freshman season, like much better than people are giving him credit for. And I think they're just sort of judging off how he finished the year. Uh, second in the ACC, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably still put Kelly Bryant ahead of that. Uh, you know, Malik Rogier had a really good season last year. I know he didn't finish strong, but he also had some, some pieces that got injured over the course of the season uh, that sort of caused his decline at the end of the year. Um, I, I think I put him right on with Eric Dungey around there. I think Dungey is, is maybe underappreciated a little bit for what he's done at Syracuse. I know they haven't had the wins, but you know Syracuse is not coming from the same place as Virginia Tech. So, you know, top thirty, I cer- certainly think that he'd be in that range. You know, nineteenth, maybe a touch high, but uh, you know, you look at some of these other guys out there in the rankings, and you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of quarterback positions. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's good to pull the lens out every now and then. And look at it from a broader perspective because, you know, we spend so much time breaking down, especially in losses, you know, what he didn't do right. But there was a lot he did do right. Um, and that's reflected in these rankings, I guess, at least in the opinion of Athlon. So, well, yeah, I think people are like, well, he just did all his, his uh, touchdowns against all the bad teams. It's like, well, he was like 17 touchdowns and two interceptions yeah. against – you know, Division One teams. I mean, it's not like they played just a you know they played the FCS team there, but he went out and he looked very good against West Virginia. You know, West Virginia wasn't a terrible team last year. Certainly gave a couple of those Big Twelve contenders trouble uh, during the season. Uh, you know, Boston College. He had a good game at Boston College, I think. And Boston College had a really good defense. Gave a lot of teams trouble. Uh, over the course of the year, so you know, you look at the first part of the season, you say, yeah, they, they you know, who did he do it against? You know, Clemson, he didn't do that well, and then later in the season, you know, Miami, uh, Georgia Tech, you know, you know, struggled a little bit in the bowl game, not hitting all the throws that he needed to. But I think on the whole, it's still a very good season, and, and probably justifies this ranking. I remember writing a column from a hotel room in Boston after they had beaten Boston College, and, and I think that was their sixth game of the season, and he was halfway home and. His numbers were r- remarkable. I mean, his every number was uh, just jumped off the page, and there was naturally going to be some regression to the mean there. Uh, and you've mentioned before all the injuries and, and you know losing your left tackle and, and everything else. I mean, there's there's some mitigating factors there too. So I, I'm interested, you know, how how well does he have to do against Florida State? If we're just going to assume he's going to be the starter, how well does he have to do at Florida State to get people off his back? The segment, I guess. The segment that's vocal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think it would certainly help him to complete some passes down the field. Yeah. And like, he, he does a decent job on the mid-range passes. I'm talking about, like, deep balls. I think that's sort of the, the trouble spot. And you think it, it, you see it showed up a couple times during the season last year. Uh, I mean, winning cures a lot. I mean, if, you, if they lose and he throws for 300 yards, they'll just be like, oh, well, it was a losing effort. And people always find a way to argue against it if they have their mind made up ahead of time that they don't like a certain guy. Uh, you know, I think if he plays like he did at West Virginia, which was a pretty good game, you know, rushed the ball better than he did all year. 
you know, passing-wise, I don't think it was a huge number of yards that he had, but he was very efficient with that. If they do that and win the game, I think everybody will be happy just because, you know, wins solve everything. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember Brian Randall, I mean, absolutely beloved for reasons beyond just, you know, uh, his production, but you know, he, he was a classy guy and a great leader. Everybody liked his personality. He was great with the fans, but there were games like that, that last game against Miami, they won, I think 16 to 10, you know, yeah, when, they, when they clinched yeah. their first ACC championship in 2004 and he didn't play that great in that game. I mean, it was a, a defensive battle, but everybody forgot about that because they won. And so, um, but and he did throw a touchdown pass. I, I remember uh, that. I guess put him ahead, so that also helps. But all number, right, number one on this list, Will Greer, West Virginia. That's interesting. Yeah, a who guy thought that, last year? I mean, the guy in the season opener. Like I thought it was good. I didn't know if I'd say number one in the country uh, coming back. And uh, it's an interesting top five. They have Tua Tagovailoa. I'm not going to be able to pronounce that guy's name right. Of Alabama, number two. Yeah which is presuming a lot with him. Trace McSorley, Penn State, number three. Khalil Tate, Arizona, number four. Mackenzie Milton, UCF, number five. Uh, Jake Browning, I thought a little low at seven from Washington. That guy's been tremendous throughout his career. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting list. To put Will Greer number one, uh, and that's he's come a long way in a year, and I thought he was tremendous against Virginia Tech last year and put him in a possession to win that game. Uh I didn't think he'd be number one on this list. Though. And Jackson beat him head to head with a terrific performance that night. So, yeah, interesting. All right, well, with that, let's get to our first listener question of the day. This is from Brad Bailey at RVA Tax CPA on Twitter. Andy, can you explain the workout rules during the summer? What can a coach – when can a coach be there versus just the players? Who coordinates these quote-unquote unsupervised get-togethers? Well, they changed the rule a couple years ago so that coaches can be around a little bit more than they were before. I mean, it was such a, a shell game about like, oh, we don't watch any of the things that are going on, but obviously they're getting reports from certain spies that they send over there to do that. And I, I always love the fact that you go to all these, uh, you know, football offices and stuff and all, <laughs> the coaches offices overlook the practice fields where they're doing all this stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they close the blinds every time the players are out there. They're not watching any of that. Um, the rule over the summer is that players can do up to eight hours of mandatory workouts and only up to two hours of that can be film study. So it's pretty restricted based, you know, relative to the 20 hour per week, you know, quote unquote, 20 hour per week rule that they have uh, during the season, which everybody exceeds. I mean, everybody does it. And that's just the way it is. Um, coaches can be present during weightlifting sessions and stuff now during during those eight hours i believe uh and obviously the film study two hours of it so before it was just like the strength coach ran things and they would report back to the head coach you know wink wink the head coach wouldn't know anything that's going on now at least you know they can go down to the weight room and see what's going on and kind of keep up on the progress of some of these guys uh still beyond those eight hours i mean guys do more than eight hours workouts a week in the summer they kind of do it on their own um I would imagine that these uh, quote-unquote unsupervised get-togethers that they do, that you know the coaches probably give them a script of stuff to go through or talk about that during their two hours of film study. It's like, okay, okay, it'd be nice if you took this stuff and then took it over to the practice field and worked on this. Uh, I think it's sort of incumbent on the leaders of the team to get stuff together. I mean, I know Sam Rogers was a big one doing it before, Ricky Walker now. Uh, the quarterbacks are a big part of that, getting the players together and, and gathering them and, and going through stuff. And 
it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic because yeah, you have the eight hours that you are allowed to do, you know, mandatory stuff by the school, but obviously these guys want to be the best, so they're going to get together and work out on their own and go through stuff and. Uh, you know, that was sort of a big story when like Isaiah Ford and Cam Phillips and those guys are on the same page with Michael Brewers. Like they just, you know, they worked a lot in the summer and that was sort of how they got to that point. Yeah. I remember them talking about how they'd go past midnight, you know, they'd be there at 1am in the, you know, 1am in the uh, practice facility, just running routes and, and, and playing pitch and catch. So, and now they have the practice facility. I mean, that's another thing yeah. before. I mean, you'd be outside at midnight or something like that. And are the lights turned on and stuff like that? I think it's easier to just, okay, I have a key to the, the practice facility. I go in there and you got this perfect environment, uh, to work out, uh, you know, lighting and fields all good and stuff. You don't need the, the grounds crew to have anything ready. You have the lines all there set up. So, uh, I think that practice facility is a, a big deal in terms of this offseason stuff because it just allows sort of a gathering point for all these players. Yeah, unless you're just extraordinarily talented, you have to have a lot of self-motivation to make it to a Division One football program and become a starter on said program. So I don't think it's that difficult for these guys to organize these types of things and, and do them with – you know, sort of joy in their hearts and not a feeling of, well, if I don't do this, coach is going to, you know, rip me a new one, you know, behind the scenes, even though he's not allowed to do that. Well, I think a lot of it is sort of the pressure from your teammates. Yeah. I mean, they want you to get better. They want to be the best they can be. So I I don't know if they necessarily guilt these people into it, but you know, if, you know, 75% of my team was gathering at a workout over the summer and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to sit at home and play call of duty. Like, I think that would weigh on a player over time. I mean, it's it's peer pressure to do it, but it's peer pressure to go practice and get better at your craft. You know, I, if I do say so myself, I wrote a very good column about that peer pressure once, uh, and the headline ruined it. New menu for taco. <laughs> Who was that? Cordero that was... Thompson. Uh, he was. He talked about how he was. You know, he 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 had been kind of lazy before, and. But he'd already talked about how he changed his diet, and we'd already written about that. So I was talking about him changing his diet to get into this peer pressure, and then it was a a broader story about how, you know, that's why these guys do what they do. It's not all self-motivated. It's I don't want to look bad in front of the guy next to me. But the headline was new menu for taco. People said, we've already read that. I'm not going to read that. So (laughs) go back and find that if you can. New New menu for taco. New menu for taco. All right, second Oh, thank you for the question there, uh, Brad. That was a good one. Uh, second question is from Kyle Begley. That's K Begley VT at Virgin, uh, um, on Twitter. Excuse me. Since it's the off season, it's prime time to rank things that don't matter. What are the top five Virginia Tech games you are most looking forward to this season? And to that point, what are the top five games you're looking forward to for all of college football this season? Thanks. Well, top five for Tech. This is what I have. I got Florida State number one. Agreed. Uh, it's such an interesting matchup. It's on Labor Day night. I think we're going to find out a lot about both teams. Uh, you know, you find out whether Florida State is you know going to be a team that can be a factor this year. They've got just sort of this crushing schedule that they have to play, and I'm I'm curious how well they're going to do in the first year uh, with Willie Taggart as the coach. And then you've got so many question marks on Virginia Tech side. Can Can Fuente you know, sort of take that next step and and be competing? Uh, within the ACC. So that's my number one right off the bat. Number two, I've got Notre Dame just because it's such a uh, a rare matchup. I mean, they've met once in their history before, and I know they're going to play more frequently here in upcoming years, but for Notre Dame to come into Lane Stadium 
Uh, I think it's just such a historic event there. Uh, number three, I'll go with Miami because I think that could decide the Coastal Division. Uh, it goes a long way towards deciding the Coastal Division. Uh, the Hokies obviously have payback on their mind. Miami coming into Blacksburg, I think, gives Virginia Tech a very good chance in that game. Uh, four, I have Georgia Tech because I, I just like uh, the the chess match of that every year. Uh, you know, I said last week I wouldn't want to cover Georgia Tech because I wouldn't want to see it every week, but to see that unique matchup once a year and everything, you know, everything Virginia Tech has to go into in Bud Foster trying to prepare for that and. You know, it's going to be a limited possession game, and the fact that Georgia Tech has beaten them twice uh, under Fuente, I think, adds a little something to that. And uh, fifth, I'll go with Pitt, because they're at Pitt this year. It, you know, historically has been a tough place. I know they won the last time they went up there, but, you know, Pitt should have beaten them last year in lane. I mean, it's, it's always been a close game in this series. Uh, going on the road uh, is an interesting uh, trip for us going to Pitt every year. You with the casino. I just like Pittsburgh in general, just the downtown area. And I do area. too. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, so that would be my number five. Okay. Well, I actually have a pretty different list than you. Um, well, it's okay. You can be wrong. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I agree with your Florida State pick. I think that's a, a, a total tone setter for the season. It's an ACC game. It's it's uh, you know it's not a divisional game, but it's going to tell you, like you said, a lot about both teams, and uh, the hype will be through the roof as it always is we'll be talking about it from july 15th on when they have the acc football kickoff so uh just all that anticipation makes it an easy number one for me i'm gonna drop notre dame maybe all, out of the top five altogether uh if i were a of the fan, top five games maybe, next year if i were a fan this would be uh, certainly probably number two uh but i you know as a it's not an acc game um it's it's notre dame i mean I mean, going to Notre Dame was amazing. Uh, I, I will never forget that trip. Uh, I, I, you know, I got caught up in the presence of that place uh, quite a bit. And, of course, the Hokies won, and it was a, a great scene for the team and all that. But uh, as far as them just coming into town, I don't – you know, to me, the ACC games are, are, are more important. Uh, if you can if – Well, you consider, yeah, but – Well, and, and so I'm, I'm – you know, I – I'm dropping that out of my uh, – at least out of the top three. It's going to be interesting to see you fill out a top five without Notre Dame and clearing this because there are some really dreadful, just non-interesting games on the schedule. Uh, two would be Miami. Two okay. would be Miami. It's understandable. Um, so it's, it's so late in the season, and it's always – you know, if it gets cold, that's, a, that's another good thing. You know, in Blacksburg, if it gets cold, it'll be fun to see those guys have to deal with that. Um, and three – I will go with Georgia Tech as well. I think that's where you had Georgia Tech, or maybe you had them I had them fourth. fourth. Okay, yeah. I like that Georgia Tech matchup. It's always it always delivers uh, a tight uh, game where there's plenty to write about because you know every decision matters and every decision is sometimes is different than it would be in other games just because of what we've talked about with with Fuente and maybe them getting in their head a little bit. I am going to put Virginia number four. Okay. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, it's just it's Virginia, and we're always going to have that discussion of uh, is this the year, and that's always interesting to me until they lose, and then it's not interesting because it's you got to write something about how they you know tech won again, <laughs> but <laughs> you got to figure out a new way to say. The I think same I'm down thing. on the Virginia game because I, I feel like I've written the same thing leading up to it every year there's yeah. just no what is the new angle with it? it there was some life breathed into it a couple years ago when it was like i got really close there for a while at the end of frank 
And then the new coaches came on. I was like, will this continue with the new coaches? Now it's been two years. Like, yes, it's <laughs> continuing after the new coaches, and it hasn't necessarily been close. Well, another thing to mention about Georgia Tech is that's a Thursday nighter in Lane Stadium. When the, that's always, oh, yeah. That's yeah, always that's a, a good stage. Um, what are people saying about North Carolina this year? Are they going to be significantly better? I mean, they can't be worse. <laughs> they, they should be better. I don't think they're going to be a yeah, contender necessarily. Normally I'd put that probably fifth. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put Notre Dame fifth. Yeah, and then, you came back. Yeah, you came crawling I'm back. I'm gonna put Notre Dame fifth, and I mean, I'm sure the crowd will be riled up for it. It'll be. It'll be a good atmosphere. And I always like covering games in good atmospheres, and that that puts it ahead of Pitt for me because that atmosphere is always pretty dry uh, up there. But I will enjoy the trip for sure. If it's a question about what day you're gonna have the most fun, it might be the day I go to Pitt. Okay, top five games nationally. Uh, I'm going to go with non-conference games because, you know, I don't want to list Auburn, Alabama is something I always look forward to. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, those are some obvious ones. These are some interesting ones. I don't know if these are necessarily in order of how interesting they are, but I I jotted them down from the non-conference. Washington at Auburn in Atlanta is is the first weekend of the season. Uh, I think that's a couple teams that have national title hopes. Uh, You know, Washington playing a quote-unquote neutral site game in Atlanta against Auburn, which is two hours away. Uh, it's sort of a de facto road game for the Huskies there. Uh, Michigan and Notre Dame, just the tradition of those two programs. They have, uh, I'm trying to think, they haven't played in a while. I think that's renewing the series, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, because they, they, there was a bunch of rancor about that, right? Yeah, they, yeah they, they had to cut it out for a while because the Big Ten going to nine games and all that stuff. Uh, so I think that's the resumption of that series. That's pretty interesting. Uh, Ohio State versus TCU in Arlington, which I'm assuming is in Jerry World. Uh, that's an interesting intersectional game there because uh, TCU, I think, is just always sort of sneaky good. Gary Patterson always has that team really kind of humming along there. I think there was one year in there where it wasn't really like that. And Ohio State obviously brings everything that it does to the table. Uh, that's a game that could have national title implications as well. Uh, you know, I put Miami and LSU on there. That's one that's taking place in Arlington, uh, let's see, that's the season opening weekend. That's on the, the Sunday, I believe. Uh, that's an interesting one just because I don't think those schools play very often. I, I don't know really the history of there. I can't remember any games of those two teams playing. I'm sure there's probably uh, a couple in their history, but uh, it's kind of a you know measuring stick game early in the season. You kind of find out what those teams are about. The other one I put on there is uh, you know USC at Texas, which it, it's like the two kind of overhyped teams, but I'm interested to see if, if either one of them is for real. So that's the other one that I put and in And the, the beauty of it is we will see none of these probably. Well, we might see like the Sunday game. Cause well, that's we'll be, the, that's we'll the beauty the of the, yeah. uh, the the opening weekend. It's Michigan at Notre Dame, Auburn versus Washington, Louisville, Alabama, Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Tennessee, West Virginia, and then on the Sunday, Miami and LSU. And we don't cover a game till Monday, so we could watch all those games. Oh, that's a good point. To. Yeah, we'll probably on a flight at one point. This is why I like like Monday nights, Thursday nights, and why I've come around on Friday nights is it allows me the opportunity to sit there on Saturday and watch all these games like a fan. Well, I didn't do any research on this, so I, I'm looking at a list from SportingNews.com of their top 15 September I'm on the same games. one, I think, yeah. Um, I would throw in the West Virginia-Tennessee game. I think that has some local interest for I people. think Tennessee is just going to be so garbage. Are they? I mean, they were winless in the SEC last year. That's crazy. I don't think they're going to turn it around that quick, so... That, that's why I'd include that in there. I think I think West Virginia will roll them. All right, our next question comes from MJ Shaughnessy. That's MJ underscore Shaughnessy on Twitter. If current and former Hokies were to be set into a Hunger Games style every man for himself battle, 
What players would make for the most entertaining contestants? And who would win? Would anyone stand a chance against Sam Rogers? Now, this is very interesting for you because you have just recently caught up on The Hunger Games. A movie Timely. That, a, game, a movie that came out in 2012. <laughs> and a book that you know came out long before that. I haven't read the book, but I did see the movie in 2012 when it came out. The movie was really good. This is this is what this is how long ago the movie was. Is when I came out of the theater, I tweeted that I really enjoyed Seth Greenberg's performance. <laughs> Stanley Tucci, the the bald guy in the thing, looks very much like uh, Seth Greenberg. And I remember distinctly that that was James Johnson was the coach at basketball, and they had beaten like uh, some decently ranked team. I'm like, wow, he might actually be good after all. I found that out coming out of the theater. I saw the results. So that's how long ago this was that James Johnson was still on an upward arc at Virginia Tech <laughs> as the basketball coach. And you're did just catching up to this now. Did you see any of the sequels of that movie? I did not. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them because my son's read all the books and he was he was really annoying during the movie trying to, you know, mansplain, kidsplain it all to me. And I'm like, I get it. It's not that complicated. <laughs> They're going to fight to the death. <laughs> but Children fighting with weapons to the death. We see it all the time in society. What yeah, are you talking about? Hannah and my wife, uh, my, my daughter Hannah and my wife, Jen, both bailed on that one. They did not want to watch children killing children. But Probably yeah. wise move. So, uh, who do, Who's your pick for this? It's a tough one. I thought Nick Acri because he's just a massive human being. Mountain masquerading as he's a, a man. He's a mountain masquerading as a man. <laughs> and you see like that hype video that he did when he was a strength coach at Virginia Tech. And you're like, how would anybody beat this guy? But it's not just like hand-to-hand combat. You have, there has to be some cunning there. And I think that was sort of the message in the movie. It's just like the biggest, fastest, strongest. We're not always going to win that thing. So... Uh, I, I I'll go with Sam Rogers just out of persistence. Although wow. Sam was very Sam was very nice, so yeah. I don't know if he could it, could cut it in that. But he, you know, as Bud Foster said, he's a nonstop ball of butcher knives. <laughs> that seems like it would come in pretty handy in this sort of situation if you were a nonstop ball of butcher knives. <laughs> so who's who's your pick? I feel like if you could take Bud, that'd probably be a good one to take. But oh, yeah. um, I, I like my pick, and I think I'm going to win. Probably. I, I'm taking, I didn't get I'm, much taking, I'm taking Jake Grove. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, he was nasty. Former center. His nickname was Nasty. Yeah. Um, some said he was dirty. Others said he just did what he had to do to get the job done, and that is what you need in the Hunger Games. Yeah, it's a much um, better pick than I. Six-time NFL. You know, six years in the NFL. Got hurt. He went and coached at uh, Jefferson Forest there for a, a year or two before Christmas came back. But um, he, I remember. I also remember. I called him when this is really random, but I called him when Pat Tillman died. Because I wanted a local NFL player to, you know, comment on Pat Tillman, and he was out fishing. So, you know, he's an outdoorsman type, you know, and uh, he was really surprised that I'd called, and he was like, I don't really have anything to say. (laughs) But I know he was out fishing, so, you know, he could probably forage for food pretty well. Uh, I think he, country boy can't survive kind of thing there. Yeah, that'd be good. Who was the uh, defensive back that always kept getting flagged for personal fouls to the point where they, like, had to dock him his, uh, (laughs) they started penalizing him from his bowl stip uh, Stipe was it Aaron Rouse that did that oh, all the yeah. time? Yeah, he played some linebacker too. I he think. maybe could have. I, he's running for like city council now. Is I, he? I think in, in Norfolk. I, I think he's the one doing that. Uh, maybe going way, way back, like Druckenmiller. Like, yeah. wasn't he a scary guy? <laughs> for, especially for a quarterback. Uh, I wonder about his size. If he's just too big, he'd be a big target out there. And you throw uh, Vic in there because just the, the blinding speed. You know, maybe you can go get the supplies. Run away from stuff. Get yeah. away from things. That's he, true. 
but I, I think I think there needs to be some cunning. I think you're right. I think there needs to be some you know organizing with other people and and as a center, that's Jake Groves. Uh, yeah, your your pick is. It's the one. It's, it's so much better than anything I could have come up with. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Uh, this next question is from Jonathan McDermott. That's at J underscore R underscore McDermott with two T's on Twitter. Who is your who is Virginia Tech's biggest recruiting rival school for Virginia talent? Some might say Florida State. Others, Penn State. What do you say, Andy? That's a tough one because it's kind of a shifting target. I think it was Florida State for a while. I mean, it was Virginia for the longest time, and now Virginia is just almost like seeded the, the state yeah, <laughs> to everybody so else. It's, it's very bizarre. You're not going to uh, b- beat them for Hawaii players, though. I know that. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got the run on Samoan <laughs> players uh, from the islands, which is just – I mean, that that's what those guys know, so I guess that makes sense. But, I mean, you have to do something locally and make an impact – in the state to do it. I think whenever people thought that, you know, Michael London ever had a chance uh, to, to really win, it was when he was hitting on all those top guys uh, in state. And obviously that fizzled over time. Uh, so I think is it's kind of two different. I think you could look at like Maryland and North Carolina as schools that come up here and, and get quite a few guys in terms of just like the, the top 25 type guys, but you go to the top of the list and it used to be Florida State. I think that's going to change now. I think Tim Brewster had a big deal with, with coming in and, and recruiting a lot of those guys on the beach. Um, now you look at it as Penn State and Ohio State, I would say, are the sort of the top poachers, I, I guess I would call it, coming in here. And, uh, you know, they've got dy- dynamic coaches as recruiters that come down here, Urban Meyer and, and James Franklin, obviously the, the head coaches, but assistant coaches coming in here and doing a lot of work as well. You know, you look at the top four last year. Uh, this is from Two Four Seven Sports. Uh, Ricky Slade and Nana Azidu. I'm not pronouncing that right. Both went to Penn State. Taraja Mitchell, Kevon Pope, both went to Ohio State. Those are the top four guys in the state. So, uh, in terms of recruiting rivals, where Virginia Tech wants to be, landing those top guys in the state. I'd say it's Ohio State and Penn State. Obviously, this year with Penn State, uh, you know, Devin Ford decision coming up here in you know, a little over a week. Uh, you know, Penn State kind of got some momentum. It seemed like yesterday you go to those crystal ball things on 247 Sports and some guys were flipping it from Virginia Tech to Penn State, which sent the, you know, the message boards into a, a, a tizzy about that. Everybody's worried about, oh, they're going to miss out on another top flight running back, which... You know, if it happens, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Penn State just had the guy go number two in the draft overall who was a running back, and Virginia Tech splits carries among, like, 12 guys. So, you know, if it happens, it wouldn't necessarily shock me, but uh, it'd be a blow recruiting-wise, and and Penn State is is the opponent there. Do the Hokies ever go head-to-head with with my alma mater anymore, Maryland? I know London's still there, right? I think Maryland's – I mean, the the fact that they have London – Yeah. London left. He he went to Howard. That's right. He's Uh, the head coach But now they have Steiny. They have Steiny as the offensive line coach. Uh, they have they've built a pretty good recruiting staff there. Uh, Daryl Jones was the number five guy last year, wide receiver who went to Maryland. Uh, a couple other top twenty-five guys. I, I I think their competition because they have that connection to the seven five seven and the, obviously Northern Virginia. They're all around there. I think that's a competition for top twenty-five talent, but you know top five talent. I, I don't think they're in there as much. Okay. All right, thanks for the question, Jonathan. We appreciate it. The next question comes from Chris at Ben Tock, T-O-C-H, on Twitter. Not sure how easy it is or if you've done it already, and I missed it, 
but pick a Simpsons character to associate with each ACC football program. And we will say this has kind of already been done uh, on the interwebs. and They did it for every conference, I think. Hokie fans probably won't like it. They will not like the <laughs> fact that pretty much in every representation of the, the Simpsons characters, they are Cletus the Slackjawed Yokel. <laughs> and we were struggling to come up. Not that that's a snug fit. I don't. I don't find that to be a snug fit. But I, I can't think of a character that uh, really makes sense for Tech. Well, every college is going to have sort of the country or the yeah. perceived country college or the cow college. Uh, you're only saying that because our college was founded by a cow, <laughs> which is a line in The Simpsons. If you don't know that, that's what I'm referring to. It was a line from The Simpsons. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. Somebody did one of the SEC where it's just everybody is Cletus the Slackjawed Yokel, <laughs> pointing at the other Slackjawed Yokels in that conference. Uh, it Does it get any more country in the ACC than Virginia Tech? I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of out, out here in southwest Virginia and uh, – I mean, everything else is sort of in cities or, you know, you, you don't really think of the, the North Carolina schools in that way. Clemson maybe. Clemson maybe, but now they've had so much success that I don't think you would relate it uh, that way. So I think Virginia Tech sort of has that mantle by default at this point. So you probably not, probably not the representation from the Simpsons cast that you wanted. I, I think that everyone I've seen that, that Virginia is Waylon Smithers, which I think is so spot on and perfect. Uh, I just think that's a very, very good uh, school. He's got the tie on yeah, and the open jacket. It's a yeah. bow tie that yeah. seems to fit in pretty well with Virginia. Yeah. Any other interesting ones in the ACC that Let's you see. saw? Uh, Snake is Miami. Yeah. I think sort of that outlaw mentality that makes sense. Uh, Professor Frank is Duke. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. The, the Brainiac side of that. Flanders is Wake Forest. Yeah. I, I like that, that one. Yeah. Uh, Bumblebee say, Man is Georgia Tech. That's a pretty pretty natural fit. Boston there. College, Mayor Quimby. I think that was a given. It's a good one. Uh, yeah, they have Clemson as the uh, the the teenager, like the pimply teenager yeah. whose voice keeps cracking. I don't really know why that would be. Maybe this was done back before. Maybe they're trying to make some sort of Dabo reference there. I Maybe. don't know what it is, but I feel like that's changed since they've done it. Uh, so I, I don't know. I feel like we're disappointing the reader here. Yeah. We don't really have a good answer for this one. I think we are disappointing. I'm, we're sorry, Chris, but yeah, we, we did think about it. And uh, if we come up with it, at some point, we'll, we'll take we'll, suggestions. If you have yeah, one, tweet yeah, exactly. at us with suggestions. Because, you know, one. I think Virginia Tech fans maybe have a broader perspective of this, might have a, a good way to suggest something. Okay, our next question comes from TN Hokie. That's at TN Hokie 413 on Twitter. Any chance Galen, that's Galen Scott, returns to staff after taking a year off to deal with family matters? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out uh, just because of that connection that he has with Justin Fuente. That'd be tough. I think a year's a little quick. Well, I think a year, I, th I think what happens is you have to go somewhere else, smaller, a smaller scale type thing and sort of rehabilitate your image and then move up the ladder. I mean, it was like Petrino when he, you know, got fired at Arkansas. He didn't come back at Louisville. He went to Western Kentucky first. Uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Hugh Freeze does at Ole Miss after his fallout there. Uh, I know there was mention of him possibly trying to get on as like a, a support staff member at Alabama or something like that, and was sort of nixed by the SEC commissioner. Uh, you know, Butch Jones is the support staff guy at Alabama now. There's You sort of have to go back down a little bit before you can work your way back up. Uh, I guess this wasn't like a professional failing or professional misconduct 
like on the field, like at violating NCAA rules or something like that, or just being not good at your job. This is certainly on the personal side, but uh, I, I feel like that'd be a tough thing to sell after one year coming back to the Hokie staff. Yeah, and for more context on that, we we talked quite a bit about it last week uh, when the news broke. So if you want to go back and listen to that podcast, there's there's plenty of Galen Scott discussion there. Uh, next question from Chris Saunders. That's Hokie in Lex on Twitter. Something to mention, both men's club team and women's lacrosse are in the postseason tournaments. The men's team is not a surprise, but the women's team was dreadful as recently as 2016. He doesn't pose a question there. He thought that just was worth a mention. I had a question. Uh, well, we should also mention, if we're mentioning uh, I don't know, other you know, non-rev sports that are doing yeah. really well, women's golf. Yeah. Uh, third year that they've been around or in the NCAA regional in Austin, they were tied for fourth heading into the final round. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. The round is ongoing. They've dropped to seventh. Now they're sort of in a cluster of teams uh, from fourth to seventh uh, at plus seven. Uh, you know, the leader Arkansas is at minus 23, which is clear, clear of the field by quite a bit. But you look at all the teams that are around them on there and they're ranked. I mean, uh, the top six teams on there, in fact, the top 11 teams are all ranked in the top 40, Virginia Tech is the one team that's not in there. Uh, to do that in year three, that's pretty impressive. I mean, if yeah. they could qualify for the, the, the NCAAs to the next round, uh, that's a, a pretty impressive accomplishment. Well, I, the official scorer at the Salem Red Sox games, Chris Moody, a friend of mine, um, he posed an interesting question last night while we were at the game, and he says, he says, should the Commonwealth clash be a bigger deal? And he's a tech fan, so so now you care about the Commonwealth. <laughs> that's what I clash. told him. I said, I said it wasn't a big deal until you actually won it last year. Um, and he's like, oh, it's still not that big a deal. <laughs> but but uh, he's wondering if it should be, or or you know maybe why it isn't. Um, I think Virginia didn't care about it because they they owned it for so many years, and then Tech won it on a track, uh, a crazy track finale last yeah, year. Yeah, they kind of. The rules kind of shifted along the way, and then it was like a tiebreaker thing. Yeah, it's something weird. With they were they were counting different results than what they had counted in the past. I mean, this, this was a rule that they changed, but it, it it kind of just made it weird that that was the first time they won it was on this very like small margin of error. I think the problem with it, with the Commonwealth Clash, is that it ends with sports like track, and nothing against track, but that's not you know you don't. People don't post on Twitter the last time Virginia beat, you know, the Hokies in track was 12 years, 14 days, you know, and 43 seconds ago. Like you don't make do friends with salad, is right. what you're saying. Right. Um, I wonder, and we were kind of talking about this off air, I wonder if they couldn't uh, set up a system in which it's a calendar year, that way you finish with football, and perhaps if it's still close, uh, that actually means something, and maybe the media picks up on it a little bit. But I don't see the media ourselves the problem is it's structured in academic years. Yeah. So you couldn't go a calendar year because then you're talking about, like, two separate right. uh, uh, sports years. So, yeah, it's tough. Uh, this year's score right now is 10.5 for Virginia Tech, 8.5 for Virginia. Uh, the Hokies have at least a tie guaranteed in this thing. With So is it like the Ryder Cup that you hold on to? I don't know. Tie? I don't know if there's actually like a physical trophy with this, is there? I don't know. The Clash, the uh, clash trophy. Yeah, but there's men's outdoor track and field, women's outdoor track and field left. Uh, Virginia Tech's pretty good uh, in those. I think they have a chance to clinch it outright. This is always interesting because there are so many sports that Virginia has that Virginia Tech doesn't, that Virginia is like amazing at. Uh, 
uh, historically. So Rowing and such, yeah, yeah, stuff like that, where they, they're like national champions. It's like, well, yeah, they included that. Uh, the non-rev sports at Virginia have historically been just head and shoulders above what Virginia Techs are. But you know, I think Virginia Tech has closed the gap on that. Uh, this is a nice way to sort of keep score, uh, you know, keep track of it along the ways. Uh, last year to to win it, even on a technicality, would have been unheard of when they first started this thing. So. Uh, the fact that they did that, I think it's interesting, but it's never going to be more than it is. I yeah. mean, it's never going to be something that people are like, yes, this is the biggest deal ever, and they have some huge ceremony. It's just sort of an afterthought. They need to add a gambling component to it somehow. Well, yes, <laughs> obviously that's going to happen in NCAA sports. <laughs> Free pizza for the kids if the if the uh, the Hokies win it. Then maybe something like that would get people interested. All right, uh, our last question before we get to the fast food draft. This is from Ted Hessing, at Ted Hessing on Twitter. Would it be easier to rename VPI and SU to Virginia Tech University at this point? Discuss. Well, all the recruits that commit seem to do that already. <laughs> or University of Virginia I am committing Tech. to the University of Virginia Tech. Virginia Sorry, Tech University. VTU. <laughs> They should get hats up that just say VTU. It, it's always funny whenever like a guy commits like that and he does it in that manner. I think Tyrod did that, didn't he, when he committed? I don't remember. I, I, I want to say that he did, but people always lose their mind on Twitter. It's like, congratulations, but it's Virginia Tech. It's not Virginia Tech University. And it's like, like this is like this person, this kid's happiest moment of his life is committing like this, and the Well Actually crew has to come out on Twitter and correct it. It's like, oh, Actually, it's not Virginia Tech University. It's just Virginia Tech. It's like, oh, come on. Could you just let him have the moment? Just just roll with it. Like you, you don't need to make a, you know, federal case about this. So Texas Tech is Texas Tech University, right? Or is that right. or is that wrong? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Texas A&M uh well, you know, so, so these all I mean, I, I think you just stick with what you've got. VPI and SU. The old timers like it. So oh yeah, I still get emails from some people who say you know VPI, and, VPI, yeah, and so fighting I, gobblers. Yeah. sometimes I'm a fighting gobbler from '54. Yeah, it's like okay, <laughs> and you know you get some Virginia fans, you know, the, with the Vippy Sue stealth, and and so uh, it's part of your history. I don't I don't see a need to change. It. They they mentioned in the game notes for every sport that we're not uh, Virginia Tech University. Um, so they would have to change all their game notes if they did that. That's right. And just tech, no va tech. That bothers people even more. I don't get that. I mean, I think that's an old, the well actually crowd that, that complains about va tech. I think is going a little far. I mean, you have to abbreviate it somehow. You got to differentiate it from yeah. Texas Tech and other techs. Georgia Tech. Yeah. Ja, you never hear them say ja tech. That's what I hate about covering Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech games. You have to write out the Virginia part. That's true. Although it gets you closer to 18 inches quicker. <laughs> That's also true. All right. It's a moment we've been waiting for. At least I have. Andy's pretty much humoring me with this. Um, he likes <laughs> more serious banter that leads to just, you know, natural organic laughs rather than just actual silliness uh, built into the – baked into the bread here. But – Fast food draft. We, we've stolen this idea from the podcast. It's an homage. Joe Posnanski an homage. and, and uh, Michael Schur doing the podcast. We love that pos- podcast that they do, and they always draft stupid things. So we're drafted to fill some time in the offseason. We're going to draft stupid things as well. Okay. Uh, we're going to cut it to three rounds. Uh, maybe we'll have some honorable mentions afterwards. But I'm going to let you go first since you let me go first last week. And it's very what nice did we draft? Oh, teams that we, want, we would cover. Teams that we would cover. Number one pick, I'm going to go with Chick-fil-A. I knew you would. That's why I gave you the pick. You, you, did, you didn't gonna, want it. I didn't want it. 
I don't care because I wanted it. Uh, it's it's a good choice. I Chick Fil A has grown on me over time. Uh, you know, living in the South as long as I have. I remember when I first got down to Danville when I drove with all the possessions I could fit in my car from Minnesota to Danville to start my first sports writing job. Uh, I, I stopped and Chick-fil-A was the first place I went to. And I'm like, what is this Chick-fil-A place? I don't know what this is like. Uh, I, I like the, the sriracha sauce they have with the chicken stuff. There's all sorts of different things you can do with that. They have very good milkshakes. Yeah, That's another bonus. I like the, the sort of waffle fries that they have. Uh, if you want to eat healthy there, you can. Like, I, I look at sort of those, like, oh, the, the healthy fast food chains, like, that is actually one of the better ones that's on there. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to eat healthy, there is that option as well. well. Even the nuggets that are really delicious, they're not that, you know, calorically right. dense. I, I think it's a very friendly place, too. And they always have, like, 800 people behind the counter shuffling around. The only thing I don't like about it is that you can't just refill your own soda there. You always have to go up and ask for it. That oh, seems like a, that's lame. a contrivance that you have to do. But uh, I'll go Chick-fil-A number one pick. I like Chick-fil-A. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't in my top three. Part of it is the closed on Sunday thing. I mean, that's – I think a lot of people are this way. The one day they want it, it's it's it's, it's Sunday. And I, I'm, I've pulled in there multiple times and been like, hey, they're not busy. And it's, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. So um, – deal with that all the time we I, should note the fast food only places that have drive throughs so we're, right. we're eliminating five guys and Mo's, chipotle and yeah, stuff like that yeah which would be an entirely different discussion which maybe we'll do some other time my first <clears throat> pick wendy's wendy's, wendy's i like wendy's wendy's, wendy's always pick. comes through i mean in terms of a burger that tastes fresh uh, it's really good. I, my first uh, job, other than uh, delivering newspapers when I was like 12, uh, was working at Wendy's when I was 16. And I was uh, impressed with how clean and sanitary our particular Wendy's outlet was. That stuck with me over the years because uh, you walk into some places, <coughs> Hardee's or someplace like that, you know, and it's just greasy and disgusting. And I mean, we, we, we had to keep that place pretty spick and span at uh when I was uh, working there, and I think they've continued with that. The service is usually pretty reliable. Um, the salads are, are pretty good. Um, and so you, it's kind of like what you said with Chick-fil-A. You can, you can tailor it to whatever you're feeling. If you're feeling you want to eat unhealthily, man, the double with cheese goes down smooth, man. And they have some, you know, different, you know, the, ch- the spicy chicken sandwich, very solid. I, that's what I get all the time yeah. there. So the fries are solid. Uh, it's it's just a, a good, well-rounded place and reliable. You can tell that we're very passionate about this. This is something that's dear to our heart as sports writers. I mean, you're on the road a lot. You, <laughs> you eat a lot of fast food in that sense. But uh, we like to eat. <laughs> so this is a good, a good draft for that. With my second pick, I'm going to take Dairy Queen. Interesting. Just because I want the desserts there. Okay. The Blizzard menu. And they have good food otherwise. Uh, I've actually gone there somewhat recently and had their cheese curds because <laughs> I went down to the beach last week. Uh, so we had the cheese curds. But they have the Blizzard menu and all the desserts. I think if you're going to choose a fast food chain, I've got a nice dinner one in Chick-fil-A and then I've got a nice dessert one in Dairy Queen. So I wanted to round out my roster of, of fast food places. So I'm going to go with Dairy Queen. Okay. Yeah, that wouldn't have been in my top 20, but I'm not a sweets guy. You know that. That's true. Um, so You have many vices. Sweets are not one of them. Yeah, and I've been disappointed with Dairy Queen burgers and it's been years and years and years. I think this I've is gone. part of my thing is I don't really get burgers when I go to any of these okay. places. So, you know, I'm, I'm opening up the Bergen, the, the burger uh, corner to you here. My second pick is Taco John's. Now, 
that's only you know probably west of the Mississippi where you can find it. We had one in my hometown growing up in California, Maryland. Uh, my brother worked there, and I would call him late at night. He would bring me home nachos every night when he was done closing up shop, and I'll always love him for it. It was the nicest thing he ever did for me. Um, but since I know that's kind of obscure, I'll say Taco Bell because I I will go to Taco Bell. I don't think Taco Bell is tremendous by any stretch, but you know what you're going to get. Um, it, you know, it's, uh, it's good for, you know, oh, let me pick up a few tacos and, you know, for, for today's football game or whatever. You can get so much food for like $4. <laughs> Used to be that way. I'm not sure it's that way they anymore. The, At least the guy that. of my appetite, um, used to be that way, certainly, but the nachos are, are okay. Um, the tacos are, I like their hot sauce and their fire sauce. So I'm going to go, but I would, I would, if I, you know. Had my druthers, I would build a bunch of Taco Johns's, but I love Mexican food, so I'm gonna put Taco Bell on there. When I first moved to Auburn, I was on the very south side of town, and I was within walking distance of my apartment was uh, Taco Bell, like 500 feet from my door. It was trouble, uh, to say the least. I ate there quite a bit. Uh, my third pick, and this is kind of going along with, you know, I don't get burgers when I go to these places a lot. I'm gonna go with Zaxby's. Good pick. Uh, they finally have one in Blacksburg down by a substation on campus. I haven't been there too often, but uh, I do like their their chicken. I mean, their chicken is obviously great, everything that they have there. They have really good fries there, too. Uh, I, I just like the, the whole Zaxby's experience with the little chicken sliders that they have. In fact, I'm getting hungry talking about this stuff. I might go there for lunch. Uh, I guess we have a staff meeting come up where we're going to have food there, but I, I like Zaxby's quite a bit, and that's sort of another southern thing. So I'm going strong on the southern chains here. Well, you mentioned cheese curds earlier. They have something similar to that, I think, on their menu. And they have a lot of good apps. And, uh, well, I like that everything like there apps. is like, oh, get some Zach's sauce with that, with your Zach's chicken strips. It's like, do you have, does everything have to be Zach's <laughs> in, the, in the title? Like, I know you're called Zaxby's, but do we, do we need to go to those great lengths to, to jam it in on every title of the, the food they have there? <laughs> Well, for my third and final pick, I, I considered many options. I considered Cookout. I considered Long John Silver's. But those are sort of niche, I think. I think you got to be in the right mood for those. So I'm going to go, and this is going to be an upset, I'm going to go with McDonald's. I mean, that's it's solid all day McDonald's, long. McDonald's, and I have to say this. When you have kids, as you do now, uh, she's probably not eating a lot of McDonald's yet, but she will. We have not introduced that to her. <laughs> Although she doesn't eat anything that we put in front of her, so maybe we we might have to do that. Yeah, I don't think you and I have ever stopped at a McDonald's, but like when we're on a road trip, because there's better options. But incorrect. Good Wi-Fi. Oh, that's right. We do we stop we there do a couple for, times and, because of the Wi-Fi. I will say they there's a lot of things. There's a couple things they've done so well. One is they've made their their dining rooms much more inviting with the Wi-Fi. Uh, they've introduced a coffee, which I think is a hundred times better than Starbucks. I don't drink coffee, so that's I, a- I like my coffee black. And McDonald's has a nice, smooth, rich coffee. Um, their breakfast is solid. Their service—I'm going to say—they are. There's a reason they're number one. I mean, their service, and I don't think it was always this way, but their service is fast. It's reliable. You rarely get home and open the bag and you got something wrong in there. Now, people probably have stories of that happening to them, but uh, I've found for consistency, they are the best. Um, so while I wouldn't put their food you know, above a lot of these other options, uh, I would say that just knowing what you're going to get is a very important thing for any quick trip. And 
Speaking of Quick Trip, you love Quick Trip. Yeah, it's a good place. Uh, you were you buy stock the first time I took <laughs> you to a Quick Trip. You're like, oh, it's publicly or privately owned. Dang privately it. Owned. Uh, yeah, another good thing about McDonald's is the Diet Coke. Like, there's something about McDonald's Coca-Cola that I don't know if it's like how much syrup they put in there or whatever it is. For some reason, it tastes better than yeah. other places. So I, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, what just missed the cut for you? What were some that, that didn't get in there? Uh, cookout. If I see a cookout on the side of the road, I think about it. I see, I already, I already had Dairy Queen, so I didn't need to go to cookout. But yeah. I do like a cookout. I mean, I eat a lot of Subway, but I wouldn't. I don't really like it. No, Bojangles. I think that's a good I, one. I don't. I, don't I do love, like. Bojangles. I don't love Bojangles. I don't love Bojangles. Uh, like Whataburger. I've been to Whataburger. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was one that like if you're in Texas, that would be like one of the top choices. We've only I've only been there once, and it was at that Independence Bowl. When Michael Brewer and Frank Beamer, we met them. We we were just going to go to the Whataburger after the press conference, and they were there ahead of us. And then, you know, Michael Brewer, who's a native Texan, is telling us all the good things on the menu. He's like, this is what you need to get with this. Uh, so that was my only experience with Whataburger. Uh, I will say uh, Pals. Have you ever been to a Pals? I've never been to a Pals. They, they had one in Bristol that I thought was really good. I got that on the way out of one of those press conferences at the Battle of Bristol. So that was... Uh, you could tell we lead a very healthy lifestyle here of all of our recollections of eating at fast food places while on the road. Well, let me say, Hardee's, if you get a freshly cooked, like, giant burger, sometimes it can be really good at Hardee's, but they're just way too inconsistent. I think um, Arby's gets a bad rap. I was going to say, the whole Millhouse, I'm so hungry I could eat at Arby's, right. I think is unfair. I don't criticize the Simpsons often, but that is unfair. I like the curly fries, and they have a good uh, chicken bacon ranch sandwich that is, is very good. I they've think. got apps. They've got you know the mozzarella sticks. They've got uh, steak you know, steak sandwiches that are really good. Arby's, you're right, is underrated. Um, okay, well, if you're wondering why we have mentioned the passing of Charles Steger, uh, Andy's going to write something in his mailbag about uh, his role in the ACC and all those things. Of course, if you hadn't heard the news. Uh, Longtime Virginia Tech president Charles Steger passed away at age 70 on Sunday. Uh, was president from 2000 to 2014. So um, certainly thoughts with his family there. Uh, Andy, I want to end. We always end with a prediction. All right. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Big win for the Caps the other night. Huge win. And I know you're you're not following any of it. But I saw that they won because I couldn't avoid it on my Twitter feed of all the Caps fans going nuts. This is more just a philosophical question, you know. Now that they've played their El Guapo of Pittsburgh, because you you know you joking earlier, like when do they play Pittsburgh? Okay, that's when they're going to lose. Now that they've actually done it and beaten them, are they going to win this thing? Is I mean, they got two more rounds to go. Can they win? Is, is, is that is the hardest behind them now? You think? No, <laughs> it's really? not the hardest is not behind them. They still have two rounds to win the Stanley Cup. It's like uh, it was like Vikings fans, me being one of them, celebrating winning that miracle game against New Orleans. You still had to win the NFC Championship and then had to win the Super Bowl beyond that. There's still two difficult rounds after this, and it doesn't get easier. I mean, they beat Pittsburgh, yeah, and Pittsburgh's been a great team, but the other teams that are left are pretty dang good, too. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's left? Uh, I believe they play the Tampa Bay Lightning. You do in the next okay, round. Okay. Uh, I believe the Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, I advance can't. on the other side. I forget the team. It's, that they well, they, is it, it the Sharks? Thursday night, it's Nashville, Winni they, Winnipeg for the game. For the right to, to play. Yeah. Okay, because they beat. Did they beat the Sharks? I think that's what they uh, was. Vegas beat the Sharks. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of good teams that are still out there uh, that could be in there. Could you imagine? Uh, 
a what would they, a Las Vegas Winnipeg. <laughs> I guess I guess they'd be in the same side. I'm trying to think of the way, a Tampa Bay Tampa versus Winnipeg. Tampa versus I guess Las Vegas would be intriguing just because. Uh, oh yeah, it's a great story. Uh, it being an expansion franchise and everything like that, but. Yeah, there's still a long ways to go with this. I'm curious if, like, oh, they finally got over this. The monkey's off the back. It's like, well, they have to win two more rounds to win a Stanley Cup. That's what's been the, the bugaboo with this franchise is not being able to, to win a Stanley Cup. It's it's one thing to get to the, the title game of the conference. But uh, as a Vikings fan, let me tell you, it doesn't get easier to go beyond that. Well, I think the thing with D.C. sports is you know, it's been it had been since, I think, 1998 since they had any of their teams had reached the final four of their respective leagues. So this that's is, something. This, Get excited. This was, be yeah. happy about it. I'm not saying don't be happy about it. No, 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 I'm no. just saying it's, it's not to the point where it's like, it's in the bag. Start start putting the names on Lord Stanley's Cup. So you think they get eliminated? I have no idea. Okay. I, I don't. I've, I've not paid attention to <laughs> hockey enough to give it an honest, uh, informed opinion about I'm this. I'm rooting for a Caps Nashville final. I think that'd be really cool. That'd be I a good also, one. That would draw big, big attention. I think. I also like Vegas too, just for obvious reasons. Okay. Well, we will get together again when we have more to talk about. And Andy's got some irons in the fire in terms of interviews that we can also uh, do on a weekly basis uh, with uh, people outside of me. So. Um, For Andy Bitter, this is Aaron McFarling. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.